the consumer, they just want to, if they trust your brand, if they trust your vision, if they trust your storytelling, and they want to be part of it. They want to be part of like a community. And this is what we are building, you know, at La Rude. It's like everyone is welcome. Everyone needs to share our story. We want everyone to be part of it. Hi, and welcome to the official Laughs podcast. My name is Estefania Lacayo, and along with Samantha Tams, we founded the Latin American Fashion Summit, a global platform for Latin American fashion and design. In our podcast sessions, we aim to bring you enriching and inspiring conversations with designers, entrepreneurs, leaders, activists, and newcomers, and share their powerful stories with you. Thank you for being here. We hope you enjoy the following conversation. Today, we have a very special guest from New York, Marina LaRoud. Marina has made an important career in the fashion industry. She started as a fashion market director at Style.com. Then she became fashion director at Teen Vogue and later fashion director at Barney's New York. Recently, last year, she co-founded together with her husband, LaRoud, a brand with all the essentials women need for their wardrobe, aiming to bring the best designer quality to a larger audience. Marina, welcome to the Laughs Podcast. It's very exciting to have you here today. I think it's wonderful everything you're doing. And tell me everything about La Rude. I believe that, you know, fashion is about inclusive. It's about bringing a big community together. It's about bringing beauty into people's lives, especially in this moment where everyone is suffering and everyone is going through like a very tough time. We all need some sort of escapism, right? And we launched La Rude with a group of people that all lost their jobs in 2020. And we came together with the idea of creating the best product out there, but then offering to the consumer, you know, pretty much directly, you know, from the factories directly to, to the consumer. And one thing that I always thought about it was why do products need to cost that much money, right? And working with factories for a lot of time when I was at Barney's, I always questioned myself, why do products need to be that much money? And a lot has changed. You know, let's say if you're thinking about like Airbnb and how they broke into the hotel thing, or even if you're thinking about like Uber Years ago, you had, whenever you had to use a black car, especially in New York City, was $100 an hour, right? And then now everyone has access to an Uber driver. But I've never seen that happening in shoes. You either have a lower quality product and then at an affordable price point, or the items that are very beautifully made and handmade, they're so expensive that you need to sell your soul, right? Or like... You have to have, like, let's say, a, a sugar daddy. I like to think about uh, even with Sex in the City coming back to the moment right now. And you see Sarah Jessica Parker, you know, playing their role that she was um, a woman, an editor, was working in New York. But she was looking for the Mr. Wrong uh, to buy her, you know, to have in her life. So she could afford some pairs of shoes or like he could give her some pairs of shoes. And with all that in mind, you know, uh, I believe that women should be able to afford their own goods and should be able, you know, to live their own lives. So we created a brand developing the best product out there and offering to the, to, to the consumer in a, in a fair price point. 
but we never want to compromise in, in quality and design. Um, but we want to make the consumer to understand that, you know, at La Houdet, they're always going to buy the best product, but they don't need to sell their soul for it. That's, I mean, it makes total sense. You know, it's funny you say that because I always ask myself that question, why? And I've been in the wholesale space for many, many years already. And I understand the markup that everyone has to do, but I still have never been able to understand why is it costing so much for, for a small brand that shoe from the factory, right? Yeah. So and it's wonderful and that then, you're doing this. Yes. And I always, I was always like thinking, you know, like I could never launch my own brand and, and charge the price of like a Chanel and Prada and then like a Dior, you know, they have huge marketing expenses, huge retail stores. So I like the term luxury, it's, I hate to use it and I don't use it like at all in my, in my lifetime. Um, but like the whole thing of like the consumer thinking that a luxury product has to be attached to the price point, to the price tag that they are paying, it's so wrong to me. You know, I think it's the same thing with um, Japanese restaurants in New York that like all of a sudden you can have an amazing omasaki dinner for like $40 at like a new and up and coming restaurant, right? Or the same thing, the price value that we were talking about Uber you know, five minutes ago. And and I think within the fashion industry, especially in the shoe business, I don't think that there was a need, like no one cared, right? So you were either buying like plastic or it was $800 shoe, like for a pump. And yeah. I thought this was like simply absurd. So um, your husband, Ricardo, he's in finance and he's also the business operator and your co-founder, yeah. correct? For yeah. Louis? What yeah. inspired you um, to start this project together with your, with your life partner? You know what? We have been life partners for 17 years. And I always shared with him, you know, the fashion industry. And, and he always thought about it. Oh, there are so many things that it's wrong in order to be profitable, right? He saw it happening throughout my career. So he always had like a point of view in, in the finance on how to scale things and how to how to make it profitable, right? So when the pandemic hit and we were like in a lockdown, it's like you have two people with 20 year experience in different sides of the business. Then we just looked at each other and we're like, we better do this, you know, now. And then one thing led to the other. And then six months later, we were launching the collection. That's so great. yeah, That's it, it's good that we, we have, we do have the same, you know, point of view and strategic um, minds in terms of where we want the business to be. So we have the same goal. Now, what inspire you guys? Obviously, you know, as an entrepreneur, I always think that obviously during, during crisis, um, during challenging times, there's huge opportunities. What inspire you guys to, to launch the brand in, in really hard times and also in really hard times in New York City? You know, you, both of you guys live in New York where there's been, you know, really hardcore lockdown. What, uh, what inspire you guys to do this in, in this time? And when did you guys launch? So we launched officially, like the website was launched on December 1st. So I always dream about having my own thing, but it was never the right time because I was lucky, you know, to, to get the jobs that I was, you know, uh, working hard towards the Barney's, you know, fashion director and, and all of that. And then in the middle of a pandemic, when, well, let's rewind. In 2008, there was a huge financial crisis. And then 
I saw a lot of designers closing the doors. I saw a lot of my friends working in banking, like losing their jobs. Uh, we saw it all, like living in New York, it was a tragic moment. And then two years later, or a year and a half later, this city came back to be very lively again. So I think having lived through that experience 10 years ago, it gave me more positive point of view when we face this pandemic now. So I think it really started at that point, right? That it's that it was like, oh, okay, we bounce back. So we are going to bounce back this time around too. And there is that New Yorker survival mode, right? So we were, we were home in the middle of a pandemic, you know, early in the pandemic, unrelated, but you know, I was fired from my job and I was like, okay, there are no jobs out there. I cannot apply for any jobs. What am I going to do? So there was also that moment that is like, okay, now my, my always, my plan B, it's going to be my plan A. You know, so it was just like, I don't want to say like survival mode, but it was just like, okay, now it is, you know? So I didn't even think for a minute. I'm like, okay, this door closed, this door is going to open. And I think it was a great moment, you know, for like my kids were home. We were like homeschooling, a lot of things happening at the same time. And, and they saw a company that has their last names being born and how much effort we made working like 14, 16 hours a day, like every Saturday, every Sunday, like nonstop. But they also saw their parents being like, okay, we face a challenge, we fight for it. So I think it, we have that um, sense of fighting, right? Sense of like always looking for like the best opportunity. So like that exactly what happened. I was like, you know what? I have 20 years experience in this business. So does Ricardo. And then we were like, let's let's unite and, and create something. So we created La Houdé not for the pandemic. We create La Houdé for years to come. So I am very positive that, you know, within six months, a year, things are going to look very differently. So we are getting ready for that moment. I think they are. And I think, I'm, you know, huge congrats for, for doing this because, you know, it takes a lot. It takes a lot. I mean, it's great. It takes a lot to, to follow your dream, right? It's something that you just mentioned, you know, it's something that you always wanted. But, you know, you know, for those of you who aren't listening to us today, you know, you've had a wonderful career, you know, you were a fashion director for, you know, top magazines in New York. Then you were the fashion director for Barney's New York, which is, was the most prestigious, you know, one of the most prestigious retailers all over the world, you know. And it, for you, even though it was a pandemic, you know, I'm sure, I have no doubt, it wouldn't have been so hard to get a job. It's much, much harder to go follow that, you know, from from having a dream to really actually doing it, you know. that, that oh, no, For sure. But, you know, like it, it was just that moment that I think it, if it wasn't like, you know, all stars aligned when it's like, oh, okay, let me like start networking or like, let me start doing like this. I, I just, it's funny because I read so many stories about like Tori Birch and I remember her, like some people asking her about how did you open your own business? And she was like, I was working in a magazine. I had my kids. I took like two years hiatus. And then I, I saw very clearly what was missing in the fashion industry. And I came from like a job. I started working at 18 and I never, never stopped. <laughs> I mean, I, I never stopped. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, okay. 
um, I worked in magazines, I work in retail, I had all of this experience and let me piece it all together to create something that I think a woman like myself wants, a woman like my friend wants, a woman like the college kids that I talk to wants. And honestly, the experience that I, that I have, right, working with the factories, working with the marketing, working with all of it, it's what it made us possible to make the brand live in six months. That, you know, so much has changed and so much has changed only in this past year. I know for you also, it's, you know, it's a, I'm not saying that it's easier to start anything because nothing is, everything is beyond challenging and being, having your own venture is, oh my God, it's like having three degrees at once in six months. But the, the reality is the world is a different place, much different place than two years ago. So, you know, I think your whole expertise is helping so much because you're, you weren't only seeing a gap in the market of what you thought would be something that the market needed, but also even for you as an editor, you know, in the marketing, in the PR, even that has changed how you tell that storytelling, correct? Yes. No, for sure. Like completely. I think it's somehow it's like what Ricardo says right now, everything's very fair, right? If we're launching the pandemic, it's not that I'm that we are competing with Christian Dior doing a fashion show at the Louvre. Everyone is competing for that Instagram post. So it's, it's like, it's a little bit more fair right now, right? So everyone it's equal in that sort of sense, but it is about telling the story. And what I really think is we need to be truthful, right? The consumer now, they want to know where products are coming from. They want to hear what are your thoughts about the product. They don't want to be, I think we, we live through a moment of so much, conspiracy and so much lies and so much um, chaos, you know, in the past couple of years that the consumer, they just want to, if they trust your brand, if they trust your vision, if they trust your storytelling and they want to be part of it, they want to be part of like a community. And this is what we are building, you know, at La Jude. It's like everyone is welcome. Everyone needs to share our story. We want everyone to be part of it. So we already, we were born in a very inclusive environment and we are counting on other humans, you know, to help tell our story and, and has been quite successful, you know, all the organic um, media that we have been receiving. Um, and you guys launched with shoes and what, what's the idea? I know that I read an article that there's, you know, it's translating into different product, correct? Yes. So we launched, we have a collaboration with Koi. What I, basically what I believe in or like all of my entire career, clients and, and friends, they were always asking me, if I need to buy a, a pair of jeans, which one should I buy? If I need to buy a black pump, which one should I buy? If I need to buy the ballerina, which one should I get? So the La Day was born in that, in that sense of like building women's wardrobe with the key staples but then also with emotional pieces, right? So we launched within a collection of like the best jeans, the best fit of jeans, then the best shoes and the quality that you need from like the school drop-offs to a gala. And we cover every single segment of that. And then we did a little clutch just as your item, like to grab and go. And I particularly really like to have fewer items, but items that I can count on in my life. Like if I'm traveling, I always grab the same stuff and, and take it with me. Uh, so we are launching handbags sometime early in the spring. We have been getting a lot of requests for our hoodies. So we are launching that 
early in the spring as well. And then new line of shoes and then new line of like um, so many like cool things, but more into, you know, new collections for shoes and then new drops that we are going to be doing in terms of like reddish wear and other accessories. Amazing. I can't wait to see the rest of the merchandise. What are, you produce everything in Brazil? The shoes, yes. Uh, the denim we produce in Los Angeles and the reddish wear we're going to be producing in Los Angeles as well. That's great. So I want to, um, I also, um, on your press kit, I had the opportunity of reading and I'm fascinated by this, that there is QR codes into the shoes. Tell me all about about the QR codes. I think it's fascinating that you're doing this. So we were um, working on the collection and thinking about like how we should promote it and what we should do. And Gloria, my 11-year-old, she told my husband, she was like, oh, you need to do QR code in your business cards. And Ricardo was like, who use business cards these days? Like no one uses. But that sparkled him to think about, you know, the QR code. He was like, well, if my 11-year-old daughter knows about QR code, then it means that it's mass, right? That like a larger audience already knows about it. So he he developed um, a, a technology and ours is differently and I will explain you why. We filed a patent and the whole thing is, so it comes, all of our shoes in the box and then in the sole of the shoe, it comes with a QR code. The minute that you buy your shoe, you just, I can show it to you how it's done. So you open your phone and your camera, and then it's going to open a link. In there, you're going to see the shoe. One your minute. shoe, your shoe. So you have your account, and then you can, mine has been claimed, right? So it's, you, you can claim, you can share, you can buy. Mine has been already claimed, so you claim that it's yours. Every time that you claim that it's yours into your account, you receive $5 in your account. So you have that money. Building community, I love it. When you share, and then this is a link that is in your phone forever, like you can always go back to our account and see what you have purchased. When you share, you can just DM someone and that's your link that you're going to DM someone that shoe. When someone buys it, they're going to get 15 off out of that shoe and you're going to get $10 for each shoe that you sell. From every transaction that someone made. Yes, but then think about it. Like how many of your friends, when you go out with them, uh, they tell you like, oh, I love your bag or like, oh, I love your shoes. Where did you get it? And then you can just be like, oh, here it is. Here's my link. Well, that happens all the time. And, you know, and yeah. it's, as, I mean, at least my, I can speak for myself, but I think women in general, we love to share. We love to share all, all the time. Things, exactly. Right? So that's part of the community, right? So it's like anyone, anytime that anyone asks you, where did you get it? You can just share your own link. If that person buys, they're going to get $15 off their purchase immediately and you're going to get $10 back. And it doesn't matter how many shoes you sell. So like if you sell to like, I don't know, 100 friends, then you, you do the math, right? And each shoe that you buy from us, you claim and then you have your wardrobe with like all of your links that you can share with everyone. That's amazing. And you know, and yeah. it also makes the product, there's, I'm sure you've obviously thought about this, but it's, there's, there's a whole sustainable element here that it's traceable, right? That, yes. you know, your shoe then ends up like, you know, like out of the real real or like things like that, which I think it's fascinating, you know, tracing the lifestyle of an item. Yes. No. And it's, I mean, 
And it's also like that great idea about, you know, what you have bought. It's in your, it's in your closet. Let's say you can share and then you can look at it at any time. And yes, as you said, and then you can track it, right? So um, producing, what made you produce the shoes um, in Brazil? I mean, obviously we know that Brazil has unbelievable manufacturing and you're both of you are Brazilian. Um, did something specifically like, did you find like the right manufacturer that you like, liked their sustainable, so, you know, implementation that they do? Uh, there are like a couple of things. One, yes, we are Brazilian, so we have the connections. And two, I, my experience, it was producing shoes out of Italy because that's what I was doing at Barney's New York, right? So Brazilian shoes, I, I knew it was good, but basically what happened, you know, in the past in the past decade, it was, Brazil was well known for doing more like affordable shoes. And then when China came, so the Brazilian, the Brazil market lost the market to China for that lower price point, right? They could not compete with the price point that China was able to produce in terms of like that fast fashion type of shoe. So what they did in the past decade, they pivot to a more designer, high-end approach, all handmade, um, beautifully made. So they went and they did a lot of like training and trying to compete with the Italian shoes because they knew that they would never be able to compete with China in terms of the price point. So in the past decade, a lot has been improved in terms of quality in Brazil. When, so we found this factory that does all handmade stuff and they only do export shoes. They work with tannery that, you know, Brazilian tanneries that are just very much focused on sustainability and the environment. The, the, their labor issues, it's very taken care of in terms of everyone that works in the factory, how much they're paid, uh, you you are probably very familiar with the Veja sneakers and the whole story about like um, sustainability. We are working in, we have the same um, sustainability approach and we have the same labor approach as they do. We are producing in the same factories. That's but true. in Brazilian myself and have working, have worked with Italy before, you know, my my designer, he was working at the factories when he, we were producing the shoes. And he was like, you have no idea how the shoes are looking like. And I was like, okay, I saw pictures, but I couldn't touch it, right? I couldn't tell the quality, just looking at the imagery. So when the shoes arrived in my house, I actually cried because I, I couldn't believe what I was, um, you know, touching it's really the same quality of like any designer shoe that you can think of and and I was extremely proud to see that Brazilians were able to achieve that type of quality amazing because you know you're creating an inclusive shoe you know that has you know that it doesn't have this like crazy price point that it's just not accessible to everyone right yes from a really top entrepreneur to like a student can afford it, you know, to, you know, and it's a wonderful shoe with the same quality of a designer shoe. Just, you just didn't do a crazy markup. 
Yes. And then, you know what? Like I had, you know, my cousin, she's like a 26 year old woman. She, she has done her master's, you know, she works in a bank and she came here to see the collection. And she was like, oh, I've never touched a shoe like this because I cannot afford it. And I'm like, so who can afford, you know, like which kind of shoe? And listen, our shoes are, are very expensive. They're not affordable at any capacity, but there is that price value to it. And when we first designed the collection, we were like, okay, let's do the best shoe that we can in terms of like insole, outsole, um, the form in the shoe, the width of it, that it's five millimeters wider. So it gives you like extra comfort and the balance. The best part of it, it was, we were able to design from scratch our last to make a very unique product. And we did, it's not that we were like, okay, let's figure out the price and, and launch the brand. We were like, let's create the best product that we can. And then we're going to figure out the price. So like two days after the collection had arrived in my house, it's when we received the fabric, uh, the factory cost. And it's when we start pricing the shoes. So we did it the other way around, right? We didn't go into the business necessarily for like, oh, let's like, this is the volume. Let's go into this profitability. Like, let's cut the corners. Let's do a cheaper outsole. No, we were like, let's create the best product out there and then we're going to figure out the price. So I was very proud and happy, you know, to see that we were able to achieve that quality. And honestly, it's not talking about countries or anything like that, but the factory that I was working before in my, in, in my previous career, in my previous, you know, job, um, when I was working like with the European factories, they weren't able to achieve this high quality that we do right now at La Jude. That's great. I mean, Brazil is known for this, but I think they so much has evolved, right? With them in many Yes, amazing. A lot has it. evolved. And they export four times more than what Italy is able to produce. It's insane. And the idea behind it is you do direct to consumer, correct? But you're also in wholesale. Uh, we are launching with a key partners. Okay, so that yeah, it's mostly direct consumer and just yeah. key partners, marketing and all that. Yes, 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 yes. That's wonderful. So I'm very happy that, that you accepted um, to tell us everything about your brand. It's really amazing. And I can't wait to, you know, to, to buy my first pair of shoes and touch. Oh, you're going to love it. And I, you know, we always finish every episode asking our guests the same question. What's your why? Like your why in life, you know? My why in life? Oh, like, why do you do what you do? Why do you, you know, why did, what, what inspired, you know, what is your why? Uh, I, I really want to pivot, you know, and open the way to more women that comes after me and certainly my daughter. And for me, I really, as, as I told you, I really want to bring beauty to a lot of people's lives and and this is what I hope to be to be doing. But I'm very passionate about, you know, women empowerment and what we can all do. And um, this is what I'm looking forward to do with La Jude and, and giving more women the opportunity um, you know, to lead and and continue what we have been working, you know, for 20 years. That's great. Well thank you. We hope that you have enjoyed this conversation. You can email us your suggestions on who you would like to hear in our next episode. 
If you like this chapter, don't forget to leave a comment or rank this podcast. We really appreciate your feedback. Also, remember you can follow us on Instagram at Latin American Fashion Summit and on Tribu by Laughs, a new platform that will revolutionize the way in which the fashion industry connects. Thanks for tuning in onto the Laughs Podcast.